Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah. are about to be spoken here on the extreme life of Matt Hardy. We are broadcasting from the Blue Chew Studios. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code Hardy at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. My name is John Albin. I, of course, am joined this time in person. I love when we do it in person by the man of the hour, the head of the AHFO, at least in my mind, Mr. Matt Hardy, wearing his extreme life of Matt Hardy shirt. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, man. Uh, It's good to be hanging out with you this uh, lovely morning in Atlantic City. We got the ocean peering over here, the Jersey Shore. (laughs) Does the Jersey Shore live up to the uh, expectations that it's portrayed as in media? It's a little different, right? Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's good. It's nice being here. I wish I had a little downtime. It's pretty, yeah. uh, pretty much all work and no play this trip. Work and no play, even in Atlantic city as we record this. Yes. Even uh, in Atlantic city, there's, yeah. there's, there's no downtime, no free time today at all. No. Well, we have a really exciting episode planned for you here on the extreme life of Matt Hardy, because we're not just talking big money, Matt. We're also bringing in a big money tag team in private party. We are. You're pulling some strings here. What can people expect when we chat with them later? I think it's going to be really interesting for people to actually hear how much private party grew up idolizing the Hardys and also how much they they feel like they have learned from being associated with me and just just working together. And it's been really a, a great relationship that I, I've hugely enjoyed and they're, they're two good guys that are both good human beings. And I think people are going to be, I think people are going to, to love them because they're really going to get to know the real personality of Isaiah and Mark Lynn whenever they hear them today. And we're going to have two microphones for four people. So please do bear with us here in this Atlantic City hotel room. But I'm so excited to chat with them. I think they are so talented and bring so much to the table. And it's such a parallel journey between what you've gone through and what they've gone through. And now you're taking them under your wing. It, I mean, it really is. And I, I think the the most important thing is that they were just such a, a, a raw, talented, athletic team. And then they just, myself and Jeff, we were in that same boat and we found Michael Hayes. And he really like 
got our game together and made our fundamentals strong. And that's kind of what I've done for them. And it, it really is. It's a time is a flat circle scenario. You know, we'll keep doing this over and over again. So hopefully one day Isaiah or Mark, they'll find two guys too that they'll end up mentoring. Yes. And we will hear about their Hardy Boys influence. Jeff continuing to be in the circles here, Matt. Everyone's still talking about him. Uh, the hype is getting there. You talked last week about uh, maybe we could see him show up in AEW. That that got a lot of people talking. Anything else you'd like to add on the Jeff front? Uh, no, we're just uh, counting down now. We're just a couple weeks away from the uh, the Hardy Boys reunion tour kicking off on uh, March 12th and 13th. So it's a, it's a very exciting time, and I'm, I'm very excited to be working with my brother again. Well, for now, you're going to be getting the big money, Matt, character, a little more work in AEW. And that's what our episode is about today. We were supposed yes. to do it last week, but some travel issues forced us to change. I had a good time doing Ask Matt Anything. I thought that was really cool. We got some good yeah. questions. Yeah, it, it was it was it was really fun. Uh, it was just a change of pace. And also, I feel like we got to do some cool explanations in some of these questions yes. as well. It was good content. Hammer Turkey. That was a good one. I, I really <laughs> yeah. enjoyed that, but we are talking the origins of big money, Matt here. And that's a story that kind of plays into the origins of the Hardy boys, much like the Omega episode did. And that's where we start today as we dive into who created big money, Matt, and who is the inspiration for it. So hit us, my friend, with that Matt fact that everybody loves hearing every Friday. Matt fact. Matt considers private party as his honorary children. Honorary members of the A-H-A-H-A-H-F-O and the House Hardy. How about that? I'll get it right one of these days. That Andrade throws a lot of things off. Yeah, well, I guess they're officially. They are official members. They are honorary members of the House Hardy. And honorary members of House Hardy. I'm still in my head about the Dan House and the House House and there's a whole lot going on. Um, So big money, Matt. This is a gimmick that I see a lot of feedback for online. I think there are some people who understand it and there are some people who really don't. Right. uh, Because it kind of came up rather suddenly in AEW. And what many don't realize is that it's a character that has kind of cultivated over time. Yes. And it's it's not something that just suddenly uh, came about. So we're going to talk about the origins of that here. So straight up, what point in your career did you realize that money is kind of the underlying uh, baseline for pro wrestling? We tend to romanticize it when we're jumping on trampolines, doing flips and pretending that we're macho man. But at the end of the day, it's all about that bag. Yeah, I, I think when that really became an important issue to me is even like uh, whenever I was released from WWE for a few weeks in 2005, you know, I had a couple options of what I was going to do and, you know, I could have went somewhere else, which TNA was getting hot at that point. And I ended up going back to WWE because I like got a, a huge raise from what I was making before. And, and ultimately I started thinking about like, sure, this is going, this is a big platform and I could, I could work on this other platform and I would probably succeed more there. But at the end of the day, I'm going to get paid a lot more here. And, and I think you learn that as you get older, it's like, you want to go where you're going to be put in the best scenario and you're going to get the, the greatest opportunity to thrive, but also you have to go where the most money is too, because at the end of the day, this is a job. And the most important thing about a job is trying to make as much money as possible to better your life and your family's life. Was there anybody in the industry that tried to get that message through to you? 
No, I remember hearing the click talk about that, you know, back in the day, you know, they would say all the time, like, oh, this isn't, you know, this isn't show friends, this is show business, you know, and, and, and they were, they were big about that. I mean, I think a, a great example is when Scott Hall and Kevin Nash defected to WCW and they made it a big payday. I mean, they, they were going to, to take the route where they were going to make the, the most amount of money. And that is something you kind of learn to do. You, it's, it's almost a balance. I feel like you want to try and make, the most money possible at your job, as well as being in a good spot for you personally as well. It's interesting that you mentioned that as a big kind of transformative moment for the industry. I think a lot of people feel that way, but they think of it more from a creative standpoint that the NWO forming changed how heels are presented, all that stuff. You don't necessarily think about how that changed business per se. Did you see that happen in real time that the industry kind of took a shift like that? Yeah. I mean, it it was great for all the wrestlers at that time. Uh, I'll tell you what business took a step back whenever WCW went out of business, because then when WWE was kind of like the only game in town, I mean, then they, there, there wasn't as much competition. They didn't have to pay people as much. And, and, And also I just feel like guys were treated so much better when there was someplace else for guys to go. That's why it's so great that AEW is around now because now there's two major places you can work for, whether it's WWE or AEW. And, and also you can kind of like have them compete against one another to see who's going to pay the most to, for a certain talent who is over. I talk about this a lot when thinking about pro athletes and like, for example, right now, as we record this major league baseball is in a lockout and right. owners will be very quick to say, Oh, well, they want too much money or they, you know, there's no cap on these contracts. So they, they are just being selfish and fans will look at that and be like, yeah, like they're making millions of dollars. Like they shouldn't make any more money. But then I always try to equate it to, well, what's the market value? Pro wrestlers sometimes get that reputation too, where fans will look at them and be like, oh, well, you know, this person's just trying to go there because he knows he's by going to WWE, he's going to get that $3 million payday to work seven days a year. As a wrestler, how do you view that side of the industry? I mean, it's, it's really tricky. Uh, It it just depends. Like if you're a big star who's done big box office and been over in the past, Goldberg's a great example of it. Uh, I I know some of the diehard fans, especially like the AEW audience, which they are very a diehard audience and they are into their particular style of wrestling. But Goldberg is still a casual name that still draws and people do want to see him, you know, and you can't utilize him in a ton of matches because he is limited in what he does. But for him to be able to go back to WWE and still get a huge payday is very beneficial for him. So it, it really depends on like where you've been, what you've done and how much equity there is in, in your persona. And I think that's something that Jeff and I have benefited for from quite a bit. Just, you know, we have like equity in our names, you know, we've done a lot of cool stuff. We, we have a great history and there's still a market value and we were in wrestling when wrestling was hot. So we are still kind of casual names to a degree. There's most, most people that are wrestling fans across the planet are going to know who the Hardy boys are. If you ask them. I would agree with that, most certainly, especially just even walking through the uh, hotel here, the Tropicana Casino. Uh, Everyone uh, knows I saw a lot of Extreme Life Matt Hardy t-shirts, boxagimmicks.com. You go check that out. Get one of those nice things for a wee fee. A very wee fee. Not a large charge. Not a large charge, which is something that you became familiar with very early in your career. And that's where the big money Matt story begins. Yeah. Let's take us back here a little bit. We talked about 
the early Omega days uh, a few weeks ago here on the extreme life of Matt Hardy. But if I'm not mistaken, this story begins even a little sooner than that, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, the the origins of the current version of Big Money Matt comes from our days doing extra work in WWE. I had met the Italian Stallion in 1993, and I had went to his show. Uh, a wrestler that we had met, his name was Eddie Rainwater, who worked regular independence. He was more of a weekend warrior as opposed to like a full-time career wrestler. He had other jobs. And Eddie Rainwater invited myself to come to this show and wrestle for Stan, kind of like a tryout. And if I was good enough, maybe I could go up north. Maybe I could go up to New York. Maybe I could go to the Fed, all the slang terms that they would use and uh, and, and do extra work. So I went out. Uh, I wrestled at Stan's show. I wrestled the guy that was like his enforcer and he just beat me up, beat the shit out of me. That's kind of what he was doing. And I didn't care. I was invincible Mount Hardy in, in that day. And afterwards he said, well, you're really good, but we need to work on your fundamentals. He said for $3,000, I could train you. I could teach you how to do this. And, and I could, I could turn you into a star. And I was like, sorry, dude, I'm a broke teenager. I, I do not have $3,000 to train you. So I'll just still learn on my own on, on the fly. So then uh, I didn't work with Stan anymore. About five or six months later, uh, I got a call and said, hey, we really love you. Uh, love for you to go to WWE with us. Do you have like three or four more guys that you could send for a tryout? And if they pass the test as well, they could go to WWE also. And I was like, yeah, sure. So I had sent my brother, Jeff Hardy, Shannon Moore, Marty Garner, first name Sham, last name Payne. And Jason Arndt, who would later grow into be Joy Abs. And these guys went to Stallions and they all did well. You know, we were all working together in Omega. And Shannon was just so young, he obviously couldn't go. And my brother was technically too young, but they still invited him anyway. And they made him lie about his age whenever he signed out the, the waiver release form in WWE. So after our first appearance on WWE television, Jeff wrestled Scott Hahn his first match. I wrestled on live television against Nikolai Volkov. This was in May of 1994, super green. We get into the band. There's 14 or 15 guys. Stallion drives off six or seven miles away from the venue. And we're in a very wooded area, like in the middle of nowhere. And we're like, why is he stopping? And he pulls over, he says, all right, guys, if you want to go to the next town, uh, everybody made $150 a night. I'm going to need a hundred bucks of that. 66% booking fee. He said, and that's what I'll get each night. All right. You guys turn over the money. And we're like, okay, whatever. We get to do WWE TV. I guess we do. So, you know, and you're in the middle of the woods. Like, yeah, yeah. Where, where I didn't, didn't want to get booted out in the middle of nowhere, Ohio. So, yeah, uh, we would make 150 each night for three nights whenever we would do tapings. Then that's how the schedule was. You would do raw, you do superstars and you challenge. So as opposed to coming home with 450, we would come home with 150. So he would take 300 bucks of, you know, our total amount. So 66% was his. We fee, which I call a large charge, you know, so I feel like just taking 30 percent was definitely uh, much more reasonable. So let's provide a little perspective here on the Italian stallion, uh, Gary Sabah. Yes. Uh, he and George South created the Professional Wrestling Federation, which was based in Charlotte. He is credited for training uh, not just the likes of yourself. Uh, which again, he is credited for that. Sure. How much truth there is to that, I'll let you tell us. But um, Henry Godwin, our truth, Ron Killings, um, who, who sometimes I forget is from that North Carolina region as well. Mm -hmm. um, real quick sidebar: uh, Ron Killings, someone I feel just we're never going to do an episode on him, but so so underrated and underappreciated in pro wrestling. Any yeah. fun uh, things you'd like to add about our truth and Ron Killings? Maybe even during that time. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I, I didn't know him during that time mm-hmm. with Stallion uh, because we, we did a ton of Stallion shows. And that was kind of like the deal. If we wanted to continue going to WWE, we had to do all PWF events for free. You know, we didn't get paid. We just kind of had to show up and do them, especially if they were within driving distance of us. So that was like his stipulation. If we wanted to continue going every three or four months to WWE to, to be extras. Uh, Ron Killings is just a super charismatic, super funny, super entertaining dude. And it, we have that. Obviously, Carolina Connection. That was our kind of name. Myself, him, and Jeff, we were the Carolina Connection anytime we traveled together. A lot of good times with him. A lot of great times. We've traveled with him quite a bit on the road. And also, there was one period where myself, Ron Killens, uh, Jake Hager, and uh, Ray Mysterio all traveled together. And we had a blast. That was a really fun car. He is someone that has kind of redefined what a comedy wrestler is because the dude can go. Uh, he is so damn smooth between there. Even now, uh, I believe he's 50 now. Yeah. Uh, and he's still so damn good and entertaining. Uh, a legit Hall of Famer in my mind. And uh, he looks the same too. I yeah. mean, he, he truly is a vampire. He looks like K Quick. Yeah. And things have not changed yeah. uh, at all. But anyway, just a little sidebar there. So Gary makes appearances over the years NWA, WCW. Obviously, WWF doing the work that he did there. Uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling, Florida, New Japan. This is a guy who's been all over. He's got some legit street cred. He's not a big time star, but he's got legit street cred. Right. Were you drawn to that? I mean, I knew who he was. I thought that was pretty impressive when we showed up. I, I definitely remember seeing him on like NWA and WCW television as, you know, the Italian Stan and George South. So that that was that was cool that these guys that we knew had had been on the dance you know they had made it to the dance so to say even doing extra work and and i will give credit where credit is due even doing all those free shows uh we didn't pay for training but we learned so much you know just on the job you know especially like psychology and like terminology of the business you know so so without stallion and george south we wouldn't have got that training and that information what was george south like he, he was more quiet. Stan was definitely the ringleader of the deal. And, and as far as being, you know, whenever people throw that con man term on people, I, I feel like Stan was probably more of the guy who was just looking to be a hustler and get in everything that he could get. Uh, George South was there with him as well. But I, I've seen George South around events all the time now, to, you know, in the last 10 years or whatever, especially since I've you know, done some indies or had access to doing outside third-party events. I see George a lot and like, you know, we have a great relationship and it's cool. And he'll text me once in a while, you know, uh, with, with different sources or contacts or, or, or say, thank you for this. Thank you for doing the show because you were the main event and you drew a great show. So I sold a lot of gimmicks at the gimmick table. Uh, you know, it, it's cool. And same thing with saying too, I have no, uh, I, I, I harbor no resentment towards him. I just think it's a very funny story and it was the motivations for the, original AEW version of Big Money Matt. What were your impressions of him as you got to know him? Because you're saying that he's an inspiration for the AEW version of Big Money Matt. So there's got to be some character traits that you're pulling from. What was he like at that time as a human? I mean, he he was uh, very much a total worker. You know, I mean, he was like a hustler. Like, I mean, there's guys who hustle, especially you're from Jersey. You're from up north, too. I mean, Damn right. <laughs> my, my, my wife being from Queens. I mean, you know, when she takes you out, I feel like in the northeast, you have guys who are hustlers yeah. who know like whatever the particular field is, they're going to they're going to go out and they'll hustle as much money as they can out of everyone. And that's kind of what Stallion was doing. And that was the motivation behind Big Money Matt. You know, whatever he could do to make a buck. 
he was willing to do. Did he dress up real nice with the big collar and everything, much like how you do? No, that 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 wasn't necessarily uh, what he did. He was pretty much a, a t- he dressed like typical wrestlers did then, with like a zubaz and a tank gotcha. top and like the shoulderless shirt. Maybe uh, looked he, like he came out of Clearwater, Florida. Yeah, yeah, he he did. <laughs> he he was rocking. He was rocking the '90s wrestler look, no doubt. Uh, my whole motiv- motivation when I ended up doing that because too, like my wife hates it. She hates the uh, with the collar and button and no tie with the vest. Like she hates it. She despises it. I said, well, if you hate it that bad, then I'm sure it's got to be something that's going to rub people wrong or, or whatever. So I started doing that in, in TNA the whole while. And she's like, I just hate it. <laughs> and, and it's so funny. She's a pretty good uh, litmus test of yes. like what, what really gets under people's skin sometimes. So you, you tend to use her to gauge heat. Uh, often. Yes, I do. Cause she, she, she's very much outspoken. And if something rubs her the wrong way, she, she'll be, she'll let me know immediately. That shoot heat right there. Yeah. That's not, there's no work there. Uh, well, if, if we go out to like a nice dinner or a nice restaurant or a special occasion, I will button my shirt up all the way okay. and put a towel on for her, okay. you know, but like I was going, brother, it's the character. You got to work the gimmick, brother. Yes. That explains the new year's outfit. Okay. <laughs> that, that went a little viral. So Explain to me what the WWF system is like at that time with bringing enhancement talent in. Are they directly recruiting people? Are they relying on people like Stallion to just bring a large group of guys in and work TV? Yes, they they were looking for probably a couple contacts to bring in uh, a, a big number of people because a lot of the television was just squash matches at that time, you know, and then you would say your, you know, star or star matches for your house shows or either your big main events on television. So I, I feel like they would probably have Stan and George South, you know, bring me 14 or 15 guys. And then they have somewhere else in that area of the country, bring me 14 or 15 guys, you know, and we'll use them, you know, at will. What were those TV experiences? Like we talked about it a little early on in this show with the Scott Hall story that you told with Jeff and everything, but was Stallion on top of you guys during those tapings, like, like a, babysitter almost or were you allowed to kind of learn on your own yeah no he he was he he kind of kept a, a pretty tight leash on everybody they kind of kept us in one area they didn't want us to speak out you know to, to other people and 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 i get that especially if you're trying to you know control your business and to him that was a business because you know not only did you know he make money from taking a a large charge of our 150 booking fee he'd also like cram more people in the hotel rooms because I know he got paid for hotels as well. So, you know, we would put four or five people in a room as opposed to having like, uh, you know, two beds in there, two people. So, I mean, he, he was making money at every turn that he could, but I, I mean, I get it. That was, that's part of the hustle in the wrestling business, especially on the independent level. How many people are you typically traveling with? Uh, it was 14, typically 14 or 15 and in, in a big van. And we were just packed in there like sardines. Now, when you say big van, are we talking like a white van that you see in a movie that leads to a murder? Or are we talking like a small bus? Like, what do we try to visualize for us here? Uh, kind of like a, a typical van, like a, a church van. Okay. You know, it was one of those. So probably meant for like maybe eight, nine people at most. And you're... It, it, was, it was probably meant for nine or ten. Yeah. yeah. And they crammed us in there. Wow. Not the safest uh, of travel conditions. And not, not the most comfortable of travel conditions. No. I can say that for sure. And, and how far are you traveling typically? Uh, I mean, we were doing drives. that would be anywhere from eight to 14 hours. Wow. And long, you, long drives. Are and, you guys responsible for chipping in for gas and for food and all that stuff too? No, I mean, we just food was on us, right. you know, whatever we ended up doing. I mean, whenever we would get in these vans and 
we would literally go to Charlotte. We would drive and park our car somewhere, meet them, jump in their van, and then drive to wherever it was, whether it was Ohio or Pennsylvania or you know New York or where wherever we were going. We would always meet in Charlotte, do the van, and it would be like the night before, and we'd drive through the night, get there the next morning, uh, check in the hotel, maybe get a little bit of sleep, and then go to the venue and then work every day. It sounds like an absolutely brutal condition to work under, but at the same time, you're chasing a dream. How did you rationalize doing all this for yourself? I mean, we just rationalized it because we were on WWE television, you know, and and we were getting to work with guys we had watched growing up. And then we also knew that if there were people there that were impressed with our athletic abilities, you know, it could open up, open up doors. So it was worth doing and even doing all stallions pwf shows you know which obviously you know was for free but we were learning while on the job and then it also gives the opportunity to be booked at these you know wdb tvs and and we always felt if we continue to work we always felt that somebody would say like these guys are special we can do something with them and lo and behold we end up being right any notable travel stories that you'd like to share with us being cramped in that 14 person van uh one of the first things that I remember on the very first trip where we were doing like a 10 hour drive, Chris Hamrick was in there. And I, I, it was one of my first occasions really spending some time with Chris Hamrick, who was a, a journeyman who many people know from North Carolina Indies did some stuff at ECW towards the end of ECW's run. But he, he just, I, I, he must've slept all day because that night I remember he just like ribbed everybody and kept like rubbing their ears and doing wet willies and just annoyed the shit out of everybody on the drive. And that, that is what I remember more than anything else on that first trip riding with stallion is that Chris Hamrick was just like ribbing everybody and getting everybody wet willies and just like constantly fucking with people and annoying the shit out of everyone. One of the worst travel conditions I remember, uh, we just watched the footage of, Marty Garner, where he jumped out of the ring on Jeff Jarrett and crashed and burned. Uh, he would do that dive outside the ring. And I remember he offered it in a match and Jeff Jarrett said, do you think you can miss it? And he's like, yeah, sure. But he had no idea what he's going to do. And when he crashed and burned, I, I'll never forget poor Marty. His neck was so jacked up and hurt. And just, it was a real bumpy van. And like every one or two miles, it was like, Bob, he's like, ah, I mean, that was for 12 hours <laughs> coming back from like Erie, Pennsylvania. Marty, uh, man, he put his body on the line. He really did. I was watching that, the famous spot. I mean, that's the famous spot where you just said, but the Triple H pedigree right. is what people remember the most if you haven't gone back and watched that. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Marty wasn't entirely sure how to take the move. Is that the story? Yeah. Well, when Marty got with us originally, as we talked about Nomega, I mean, Marty rapped, he did other things. He, he, was always in, in the entertainment field, but pro wrestling isn't something he grew up watching or loving, or he wasn't even a big fan, but he dug it once he learned about it got and understood taste. it. And mm-hmm. once he got the taste, he, he really loved it. So when this pedigree happened, like he hadn't wasn't a long time wrestling fan and watched the stuff. So he wasn't sure. He just assumed if someone's grabbing you and picking you up, that it was like you a driver. Yep. Mm-hmm. So he just like kicked up real hard and he ended up landing on his bean. Was that part of the, uh, 14 van travel days. Oh yeah. Yeah. You have any memories from what happened after that? That one w- was nowhere near as bad as the Jeff Jarrett really? about was. Yeah. Cause visually I would say it looks worse. Yeah, it probably does. But I think you have to realize too, there was just, it was such a further fall, a violent, fall, you know, very violent. so violent. Mm-hmm. And at least Hunter was holding him part of the ways. I, I remember it's so funny when you see the clip 
when when trips is like pedigreeing him you see him like as he jumps straight up and he lands on his head he like pulls his hands off like don't sue me i didn't do that <laughs> that wasn't me his his reaction was so funny to it i'm innocent i didn't do that that guy did it to himself <laughs> and I, I watched it the other day he rolls him over and just like covers him and gets right off yeah him. yeah and, yeah, yeah. And, Vince is freaking out on commentary. Oh my God. And they show the replay because, you know, we got to show the replay of this guy breaking his neck four times. Uh, Cause damn it, pal, that's hilarious. Uh, but I'm glad to hear that that wasn't as bad as the Jeff Jarrett uh, incident. Cause man, did it look bad. So uh, you guys are gaining some traction here in WWF. People are starting to take notice to you. Are they telling stallion? Hey, like these guys are, uh, an act that we'd like to keep bringing back here. What ended up happening was whenever we would go with this group of 14 or 15 guys, the other guys were just stallions, regular crew that worked on PWF shows. And the majority of these guys were actually paying stallion to be trained, you know, but they were more, they were more of weekend warriors. They weren't really like in this thing. Like we, we want to do this as a career. We were young and hungry. And then every time myself and Jeff and Jason Arndt would show up at WWE, they would always use us. We were like the first three. Hey, get us those Hardy guys. Get us the Jason guy. We want those guys. And and the WWE stars who were under contract at that time, they would always ask for us as well, You know, which was very cool, very flattering, because his guys were more weekend warriors, so to say. Not like great builds, uh, not great bumpers not willing to like take crazy bumps like we were. So they, we always got the, the, the priority when it came to the work and his guys started telling Stallion like, Hey, like if these Hardys and their crew, if they keep getting booked all the time, we're going to stop paying you because like we're paying you to be trained and do all your shows because we want to work on WWE mm-hmm. TV. So then there was one point where we went to Charlotte to meet Stallion and he left us. He left early and changed the time. Because, like, once again, we weren't paying him anything. And that's where we took it upon ourselves to drive down to Augusta, Georgia, is where I think it was. And uh, on our own, we talked to Chief J. Strongbow. And I said, hey, you know, Stallion, we're supposed to come with him. And I know you guys have you asked for us a lot or some of the talent here does. You can just contact me and I can book our guys and, and I'll, I'll lead the charge. Give me a time reference for when that incident happens, because we're going to talk about that now. I want to say that was probably 96 ish. So how long have you been coming up with the stallion at this point? Two and a half years, probably. Okay. Yeah. So you're kind of establishing a little bit of street credibility at this point. You're reliable. You guys make other talent look good. Right. And they can count on the Hardy boys to do the job. Yep. So literally (laughs) quite literally, as you said. So uh, I I found a 2001 Tampa Bay times article that Mm -hmm. was with, you and Jeff, and I'm going to read some excerpts from it. Um, This from you saying stallion was taking a booking fee from us. We were getting paid $150 a night for each WWF appearances, extras on WWF television. Stallion took $100 a night for the booking fee. It was pretty steep. So the story is consistent here throughout the years. You have not changed on that. Um, Jeff then says it was pretty horrible. We did about four or five shows through him. We would all cram in a van You would take 13 or 14 of us. We would drive from North Carolina to New York, St. Louis, all over. But you loved it because you were on TV. Yeah. Is that how you're justifying things at that point? Just we're on TV. It's okay. We don't have to worry about the money. Yeah, I I think so. And I also think we had just the confidence that we were going to overcome this. You know, we we were confident in our talent and abilities. And and there were a lot of people that said, like, you got to stop doing jobs on WWE television because you'll be branded as that forever. And, you know, we, we definitely thought differently. We thought, 
you know, the business was changing and, and it seemed like it was a lot. Something that was very inspirational for us was uh, the whole Sean Waltman deal when he did the one, two, three kid, you know, because that's almost like his deal. He came up and his whole story that he started, you know, like as an enhancement talent, putting people over, then he got this big, you know, miraculous huge upset. moment. Yeah. And a huge moment. So we're like, you know, if that, if, if they did a story that is this way, you know, then that means other talent could, could possibly do it as well. It's not like, it's not outrageous to think that a talent could become a big star you know, by starting from doing jobs. My gut says that he didn't uh, drop a whole bunch of F-bombs to Bret Hart, uh, <laughs> like Jeff Hardy. Yeah, uh, <laughs> no, 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 he didn't. He didn't. <laughs> so you guys, that one particular day, decide to drive down to Augusta yourself because he has just completely, he, he's gone without you yeah, guys. Yeah, he, he just goes to this. So more from that article, um, uh, he says, uh, Jeff says this pronouns, pal. Uh, our faces were already recognized backstage. We told WWF agent Chief Jay Strongbow what was going on and how Stallion was really taking a lot of money from us. Naturally, that was all we had to say, and that was it for him. They couldn't believe that was hidden from them, and they didn't really know what was going on. Do you believe that to be the case, that they genuinely had no idea that Stallion was withholding money from you guys? Uh or taking money from you guys, I should say. Yeah, I mean, I, I doubt they knew he was taking a hundred dollars from everyone who was making one fifty at that time. Uh, I, I definitely think it would be reasonable to give a percentage of your money for a booking fee, especially if the guy's doing it. You know, but that that was a little excessive, I would say. Uh, as far as if they knew or not, I, I don't know. I mean, I could see them knowing too. You know, but like. Ultimately, at the end of the day, they ended up booking us and Stan never came back anymore. So so that they they must not have known and they must not have been too appreciative of it. What was the reaction from Chief Jay Strongbow when you told him? I mean, he was he was pretty shocked by it and he, he thought it was bullshit, you know, and then he just started calling me. And then I, I became the the point man. And then I was the guy who would book myself, Jeff, Jason Arn, and uh and uh Champagne. I don't know how much we'll talk about Chief Jay Strongbow, but did you find him to be an easy agent to work with? Because he really was in charge of a lot of moving pieces at that time. He, yeah, he really was. Uh, he he was he was good to us, and uh, we we stayed in touch with him all the way up until he ended up passing away. And uh, we would set him up. He would come to. I had a hookup in, in Pinehurst as far as golf goes, and he loved golf. And he would come up there and play and whatnot. And we hooked him up a few times. So I, I know whenever we did that, it just helped our relationship as well. So it's one of those things too, like, you know, in any form of business, if you have someone you're working with who can help you, if you rub their back, usually they'll rub your back as well. So, you know, he did things where he would make sure that get us dark matches where we'd have more time and get to show more of our offense and, and the things that we had, you know, in, in our, in our back pockets that we could do, which ultimately led to us getting cool. hired and getting signed. That's cool. Uh, Jeff continued to say in that article, still, if it wasn't for Italian Stallion, we wouldn't be here right now, but he didn't have to do that. We later ran into him somewhere and we started talking to him. It was like nothing ever happened. He kind of forgot it. And we did too. So this was back in 2001. Do you remember that meeting where you saw him again? I, I, I don't necessarily remember seeing him again, but I'm sure if we did, he would just go about like business as usual because that's just how carnies do it. You know, they, they, they just they just go about business as usual. They haven't done anything wrong. Have you seen him in years since even when this article dropped? Uh, no, I, I see George South all the time now. You know, anytime I do some sort of third party thing around, you know, the north or South Carolina area, George is typically there. 
whether it be like a WrestleCade or, you know, a big time wrestling show or whatever it may be, some of the more local promotions. If I'm there signing autographs or making an appearance, George is always around and we're always very friendly. Do you hold any resentment towards the Italian Stallion? No, zero resentment. You know, once again, as Jeff said, without that opportunity, you know, even though he was taking advantage of us because we were young kids at the time, I mean, we wouldn't have, you know, we wouldn't have got to the point we were at. You know, so I, I'm very appreciative that he took us there. And I'm also very appreciative that we got to work his shows and, and learn so much. Last year, Stallion did an interview with the two-man power trip of pro wrestling podcast. This was last year? This was last year, to my knowledge. Okay. Um, and uh, when I was telling you about this, you said you were, you were unaware of this. So uh, this is part of what he had to say, uh, talking about you guys. Well, they paid to train at my school, but I gave them a break and got them noticed by WWF. Without me bringing them in, they never would have been seen by the WWF. The agents from WWF would tell me to bring 15 guys with me when I would go up to New York or whatever for some shows. Some did real well, some did real bad, but I would hear about from the agents either way. I would get most of the heat. I gave them the opportunity and opened the door for them. I asked for part of their money. I didn't just take it. I had to pay for the van to drive everyone to the show. I had to I had to for the gas and pay for the hotel room. So I took a small fee from everyone. It was George South and I running it, but I took all the heat, I guess. For them to be in the same locker room as the Macho Man and guys like that is because I brought them down to the show. Otherwise, it wouldn't have happened for them. What it was was bad communication. They showed up to a town I was in at and talked to some agents about me taking a booking fee from me and made a stink about it not knowing it was common to do that and not telling the agents I was the one bringing them in with me. I really wish they didn't write what they wrote in their book about me. I think it was just unfair the way they labeled me. I mean, it's funny. They said we were paying to train a school, which we never paid to train to school. And, and, and once again, I mean, all we did was like, tell the truth. I mean, if he's got a problem with the truth and I feel like that's on him, because we didn't do anything that, you know, we're not exaggerating any story. We're not changing any facts. I mean, we're just telling a very accurate depiction of the truth. The truth is the truth. The truth is the truth. And and that's the deal when it comes down to that. I mean, but if, if nothing else, I'm very grateful. He inspired the big money, Matt Carney promoter agent bullshit. Did you show up? at the town that he wasn't at knowing that he wasn't there because that's pretty much the claim here as to why this all fell apart. No, no. I mean, he, he was there when we went to Augusta, we just, we, we drove down there and we got there early that day before they arrived. And like, I was able to talk to chief J Strongbow. And then like, when he showed up, he was like, Oh my God, what are these guys doing here? Like I'd, I'd ghosted them, you know, I'd, I'd like ditched them where they weren't coming this time because once again, you know, the guys he, he was taking, they were actually, a lot of them were paying him to train and be part of his pro wrestling federation. So like, uh, you know, when they weren't getting the TV gigs and they, they like kind of threatened not to pay him to be trained. Did that make you cynical about the industry in any way? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, it was a, a great lesson in how cutthroat it is and, you know, how you have to like take care of yourself. You have to stand up for yourself. How has that experience altered how you treat other wrestlers today? It really hasn't changed how I treat other wrestlers. I mean, I treat other wrestlers like I treat other human beings. I try and be very good to everybody and very fair to everybody. And and I feel like if you meet someone who has worked with me, I mean, they're they're going to emphasize how fair and how good I am to people because that's just that's how I try and live life. You know, that's I, I, I treat other people like I would like to be treated. You know, I, I'm really not down for like trying to take advantage of anybody. 
So we have the genesis of big money, Matt here. Yes. When do you start coming up with this character? And did you know immediately I'm going to pull from the Italian stallion for it? Well, I think initially when I started doing big money, Matt, I was, I was doing it in ring of honor when I first went back there, uh, went, uh, in 20, 2012, I want to say 20, 20, end of 2011, going into 2012. And the whole gig was actually Jim Cornette is the guy who reached out and contacted me to book me there, who wanted me to come and like work with Adam Cole. Some said, Oh, there's a lot of things about Adam Cole that remind me of like a young Hardy boy. So I think this would be a great matchup and you could have a little rivalry, whatever. And then whenever I came, it's after I'd been through my, my period where I'd burn out and, you know, cleaned up my act, you know, where I was burnt out on all levels, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And like their audience being that diehard demographic, almost like the AEW audience. Now they wanted nothing to do with me at that point. I had so you're a WWF has been. Yes. A WWF has been for sure. So just going in there, I knew the reaction we're going to get. And I was just like, I, I feel like for me to perform here, I'm going to be a hill, obviously in, in this environment, you have all these young stars that are up and comers who, who can do all this cool shit. Uh, I, I think I should say like, these guys are blessed to be in the same arena as me, a global household name who like is legitimately gotten rich off wrestling, which none of you losers will ever do talking about the ring of honor roster. And that was kind of the Genesis of big money, Matt. And it was just known as the iconic Matt Hardy in the very beginning. Uh, I was doing an angle with Jay Briscoe where he actually spit that out on the mic. He said, oh, is that right? He said, just because you're rich and, you know, you've done this and you've been on TV and they might know you around the globe. Okay, big money, Matt. We'll see if that, we'll see if big money, Matt gets an ass kick like a normal man does or whatever it was he said in the promo. But Jay Briscoe spit that out and it was, I was like, whoa, that big money, Matt is catchy. It, it hooked me right from the jump. And, and, and then from that point on, I started referencing the character as big money, Matt. But it's not necessarily drawing immediately from the Italian stallion at that point. No, no, it's it's not. I, I think at that point it was drawing from a place where I was just like the Ring of Honor guys. Yeah, they don't deserve to be in the same arena as me. They, they don't deserve to be in the same category because I'm a I'm a megastar. There's and they're, like they're, a piece of reality woven. They're into they're, that. they're 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 measly little nobodies yeah. who are still working indies. Yeah. You know, and I'm a star who worked at the highest level and have bank accounts with millions of dollars in it. And that was the, the, the first, you know, version of Big Money Matt. I've never said this publicly, but I'm about to expose myself a little bit here. <laughs> so when I was coming up with my indie stuff, because I, I worked the indies and um, I came up with the Emmy Award winning John Alba character. where <laughs> I bring right. my Emmy around and the genesis of the character is... I have an Emmy and therefore I am greater on the social skill than you because I have credibility and you don't, I 10,000% more or less stole from your ring of honor Genesis uh, in those early days. Cause you're right. That's what the character was. And right. I picked up on it cause I was watching ring of honor right. at the time. And when I was coming up with this character, I was like, man, like the way he carried himself as this credible, like I have credibility, therefore none of you do. I need to take from that. Right. Okay. And, cool. and, it, and, it, and it resonates, right? Yeah. Because you can be like, ah, they're such a fucking heel. Like, ah, I want to kill them. But at the same time, you're like, oh, you know, there's kind of a yeah. point there. He's yeah. got some credibility. There, there's, there's a thread of truth in it. And the truth is the truth. And, and you had this big money character that you legit, I mean, Ring of Honor contracts at the time are not paying a ton of money. I mean, it's great exposure. But they're not paying a ton of money. Right. You're the one who has legit street cred and money. 
And that's going to lend credence to everything right. you did. And did you feel that that carried you throughout the rest of your Ring of Honor run? Yeah, it, it, it definitely did. And and it was, I, I remember doing uh, a side effect in there mm-hmm. and, and the crowd starts chanting, same old shit, same old shit, same old shit. And I just grabbed my opponent. I said, again, again yeah. boom. And I did like three or four. And then uh, I'll never forget Jay Lethal with this moment. I beat somebody. It may have been like a BJ Whitmer or someone, or someone mm-hmm. uh, with a, a twist of fate on a television taping. And then they just, after a twist of fate and I win the match, I, I heal into it and cheat to win this match. And the crowd starts chanting, same old shit, same old shit, same old shit. And Jay, Jay's like, but I mean, that's your finish. What are you supposed to do? <laughs> I mean, it's like your finishing move and it has been. It's established. Like, why are they going to change chance, same old shit, you know, on that? And it's just like they were out to get me at every right. turn. Which was so remarkable because, like, when I went back, his broken Matt Hardy once it was reestablished. Oh, that was, fan base they went nuts, you know. Man, we'll talk about it at yeah. at, at some point in the next yeah. month or so. But when you guys showed up on that uh, video screen, yeah, I mean, it was insane, yeah, I- insane reaction. So I, I bring up what I just said—that little sidebar about the base and reality thing—because Big Money Matt, there, there's it's grounded at that point. Right now, all of a sudden, we go to Impact move on here and this is kind of the baseline for the broken character where you're gonna go with that right but we're starting to see a more exaggerated larger than life version of big money matt you hit on it last week a little bit talking about the ec3 stuff how did you come up with the idea to bring that character back out and was this where you said i'm I'm gonna exaggerate it a little more yeah yeah for sure well it, it happened initially because whenever I came back to, to TNA, Jeff and I started teaming and we were the Hardy boys. Jeff had his leg injury when he jumped this motorcycle. Of course, he is a, a maniac and his erratic behavior. Uh, he was, you know, utilizing some of his erratic behavior and did a, a big jump on his motocross track and broke his leg. So then obviously we had to forfeit the, the tag team titles. And then as a singles, I offered to work against EC3 and just put him over. You know, and, and and try and build him because he was the guy that were kind of building the company around that time. And then there came an idea where they weren't sure about how the television was going to work out, as we talked about a little bit before. And we did a tournament where it came down to us in the finals. But I had pitched, I think you should turn me heel now because like I'm doing the old Hardy Boys shtick and it's and it's stale. So let's go into this angle. We'll have EC3 beat me in the finals of this tournament. Then a couple weeks later, like one, one more match or I'll leave, I'll retire. And we do a double turn in this match and turn me heel. That's where I need to be right now because people have like had their fair share of me. Like he came over when I first started as the Hardy boys, it was all fun, nostalgia. And then like it, we kind of were, were at our welcome. And we did that angle. And then like a, Big Money Matt definitely became exaggerated because now I, I bought off Tyrus from him. Tyrus mm-hmm. was his bodyguard in this big double turn we had, which I think was great because at the beginning of the match, the crowd was legitimately cheering me and booing him. And at the end, they 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 had nothing but disdain for me. They were apoplectic at the end of the match. And EC3 was getting cheered and, and getting sympathy, which was so great. And that is because he was a great heel. People need to forget. People yeah. can't forget this. Yeah. He was a great, excellent, detestable. Yeah. Man, you just want to punch this guy in the face, kind of heel. So to pull off a double turn like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, and, and, easy. And, 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 you know, once again, it was uh, one of those things where, you know, I bought off Tyrus, which was obviously his bodyguard. You know, I, I said that I doubled his salary. 
you know, to, to join forces with me. And we did a thing too, where like when he came to the ring EC3, like there's one look where he's sitting down and he looks up, like he comes to the realization, like, Oh shit. Like, you know, they're all against me. You know, my wife has a diaper bag and we pull out a hammer that I'm going to use on him. But, you know, we, we went all in on it. And then that was the deal. Like I said that my wife was the motivation behind this change because she told me to stop giving and start taking. And, and that became the whole genesis of this character. And that's and like, a shoot. She was saying, stop yeah. giving. It probably was. Yeah. That's very much something she would say. Like you're too giving, you're too nice. Yeah. You're too uh-huh. giving, you know, uh, that's, you know, something people in the Northeast, I could see them actually saying like, hold up, you let too many t- people take advantage of you. You're too giving too yep. nice. Uh, but that, that became the story. And, and that version of big money, Matt was like, willing to buy like spud he ended up turning yes. on him and once again bought him off you know it was just like now i'm this larger than life character who can also not only uh uh brag uh, and and flaunt his wealth and success and and in my notoriety i can also like buy off your best friend or your bodyguard or whatever because i'm like loaded are you reaching into that bag of the italian stallion at that point yet uh, th- there's probably a little bit of it mm-hmm. where, where big money Matt will do whatever it takes to make his hustle work. You know, that's the deal. And, and even like I came back and there was a small program with my brother, which we led to, you know, he, he didn't win the title, but then drew McIntyre, him or EC three, I was able to keep it away from those guys. But then drew McIntyre cashed in his money in the bank gimmick, whatever it was in, at TNA. Uh, I can't even remember. Feast or fired. Feast or fired. Yeah. Yeah. He he cashed in that deal and he won the championship. And then I went to a program with Jeff and then ultimately that leads to broken Matt, you know, but, but, but that, that Genesis of big money Matt there definitely was a little different and it probably had a little more stallion incorporated in it because he was going to do whatever it took to achieve his hustle. Okay. So you, you get the run with that and impact eventually it turns into the broken character, which we'll all get into here on future episodes of the extreme life of Matt Hardy. And then that, that character kind of goes away a little bit. Um, And after a while you make your way to AW March 18th, 2020. Uh, It is the broken character that you debut with. Mm -hmm. It is also the first empty arena show. And when we say empty arena, not even anyone at ringside. It is like total desolate. Yeah. Just you and the inner circle, Chris Jericho out there. It's rough, man. You you have to go out there. And this broken character that is connecting with all these people that everyone's wanted to see has no one to react with. We know that that was really hard for you. Yeah. So by May, it's becoming clear that this is not going to work. Who's the first person to make that declaration? Is it you or is it Tony Khan? Well, I wanted to try like a sh- the shifting of personalities and, and Tony was cool and let me do that. And, and that was one of those things too, where I think maybe it was a little too overwhelming, especially for an audience that was looking for more of a sports centric type personality. I feel like it would have done better in WWE mm-hmm. because this audience is so much more of like diehard wrestling <laughs> and, and they really want more of a sports centric product. And then we got to the point where we had the the match uh, with Sammy Guevara the all, at All Out, where I got hurt and injured. And it, it's it's so so funny. I know we'll talk about this in greater detail in, in the future. But so many people were mad at me about that injury. And it's just like, I mean, I, I've been hurt before several of the times. And there's so many things I've done in TLC matches or cage matches or table matches where I could have been hurt before. That's just like part of the gig with wrestling. But like a lot of people held that against me. That, that was very... It was it was brutal, especially with today's audience. And I knew at that point 
the reaction I was getting from people, I was like, it's time for me to, to be a heel. Yeah. And I remember speaking with Tony about it and Tony was in total agreement. And that that's after that all out incident is where we definitely pulled the trigger to do big money, Matt, again. So backtracking a little bit real quick, though, you're deciding to move away from the broken character and you're doing the, uh, as I always, when I hear this term, I hear Excalibur just saying, cause he loved hitting the point, the multifarious, yeah. uh, Matt Hardy. And you're doing all these different iterations of the character all at once. I'll admit it was a little confusing as a fan to see you going from one character to another and not really knowing what Matt Hardy I was watching right in that given moment. Uh, not to say that it wasn't cool that you were doing different gimmicks, but it was a little difficult attaching to you because you don't really know what you're getting. And I mean, the best usage of it, and we're going to talk about stadium stampede this year was stadium stampede, where you went into the pool and you came out as different characters. And right around that time, it's the first time we're seeing big money, Matt in AEW, if I'm not mistaken, we see like a tease of him. Uh, I think on like a BTE. Yeah. I I did a Mm -hmm. couple BTE bits. So September 16th, uh, you align with private party. Right. A really big part of this big money Matt story in yes. AEW. Who has the idea to align with private party? And did you know at this point that you were turning? I I, I know that we wanted to head that direction. Uh, it, it may not have been yet. I don't think we were turning. It probably started like as a legitimate like mentor, like, you know, they're mm-hmm. hanging out with Matt Hardy of the Hardy boys. Um. The idea initially was from private party. They they asked me, they said, hey, are you cool if we throw it at Tony? Like if you're like our mentor, if we come to you and I was like, you know, yeah, sure. Why not? I, I think that would fit and it would work. And also that's something that they are big about doing here at AEW. Take a guy who's a veteran or, you know, kind of like legend status and put them with a younger act. So not only do they learn on screen, but they learn off screen as well. So I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm cool with doing that, especially because these guys do remind me of a young Matt and Jeff in many, many ways, because they have all this, you know, incre- incredible athleticism, you know, they just really got to like tie everything together, you know, and, re- and really like, uh, you know, focus the package and, and get their fundamentals down. So, yeah, I was very happy to do that. And I feel like I knew we were going to, to be healed probably October ish. Okay. I would say that's when we, we'd pull the trigger. It's like, I, you know, just, after the after the all out injury, there was just so much blowback on me, and and people were so like frustrated with me. And I was like, dude, it's time to just pull the trigger and be a hill. What role does Private Party ultimately play in this version of Big Money, Matt? I mean, they, they ended up being the marks in it. Like, you know, not even saying that. Like, from a wrestling term, where they they're like the people I take advantage of. You know, like I'm stallion. And I realize I am in a better position than these people and I can take advantage of them. And they would want to work with me because I have all this stuff to offer them. And, and they were the, they were perfect for that role. It, it, it fits so, so good because like legitimately they're both big Hardy boys fans grew up watching the Hardy boys and they would idolize Matt Hardy, you know, so he could take these kids and like put them under his wing and take a huge percentage of their money and then end up taking advantage of them. Well, on January 20th, 2021, you three defeat Matt Seidel in top flight and you're using chairs and you're officially uh, heels at yeah. that point. And, 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 and I feel like even getting to that point, like you I was see, just going to say, yeah, where I'm, I'm taking advantage of these mm-hmm. guys where I'm going, look, you know, like to hell with all this nice guy stuff. It's no good for you guys do this. And, and you see this, 
they were conflicted. Yes, there, mm-hmm. there's there's a great co- conflict between mm-hmm. us, and and they're not sure what to do because like they they love me because they grew up idolizing me, but like still like I'm kind of being a bad human being. Like oh my god, oh my god, and that's the point where they finally embrace me. I'll be completely candid. When that story was playing out, I didn't see them turning heel because they're such a natural babyface right. act. And I didn't see them turning, going the, I thought it was going to be you trying to lure them in and kind of how the Hangman Page story actually ended up playing out that you were going to be turning and that they weren't going to be. But um, eventually they do join you. And we talked a little bit about this path on the Hangman Page episode, which is available in episode two in the archives. And you guys get to the point where you're working with Hangman Page and we get this great segment that we talked about uh, with you. Uh, pitching the Wi-Fi yes. to Hangman Page at the bar, him switching out the contracts. We went in long form on that in the archive already. But at this point, are you leaning heavily into the Italian Stallion stuff? Very, very much so. I mean, it, it's like my main motivation behind everything. What was the switch for you to be like, this is how I'm going to go with this character? It, it just signing Private Party. You know, whenever we did the deal and I, when I signed private party to a contract and I was taking a percentage of the money and then like, you know, they, they find out the third parties, I get 50% of that as opposed to 30%. There was all this fine print in the contract, more or less just trying to do everything you can to be like just a corny asshole who's trying to take everybody, take everyone for as much as they can get from them. And I'll tell you this, as far as turning private party Hill, whenever we went to impact and did those tapings and their television, which led to one of their bigger shows, like one of their bigger impact app, impact plus shows, whatever. Uh, Tony there is when he said, like, I think these guys can be heels. He said, what do you think? I said, Oh yeah, man, let's do this. And that's where he ultimately like gave me the green light to like turn them hill. And he was committed to it. Just some of their work that they did there where they were a little more aggressive. And, and I, I know we, we had a lot of momentum too at that time showing up on impact and then they turned hill you know, while those impact tapings were airing, uh, it, it was really cool. And there was a lot of uh, a, a lot of momentum behind us together as a unit. That must have been pretty wild going back to impact in this new role, but also somewhat of a throwback to what you were doing at the yeah. time. Uh, just totally different atmosphere, I'd have to assume, especially since they had no fans in the crowd at the time either. Yeah, I mean, it was all television was just so weird then yeah. shooting TV without any fans, especially pro wrestling, because pro wrestling is such an audience driven sport slash competition. And I want to ask that, too, you know, private parties undergoing this big character change at the time. How difficult was that for them to try to get that over in front of no fans? I mean, they're they're so young and in comparison to you in experience to have to try to go through that character Genesis. We talked about it with you, how difficult it was. Uh, did you see that on their end too? Yeah. I mean, they, they were learning on the fly. Obviously I, I think one of the biggest advantages to those guys where they were, they're young and healthy. So just those bumps don't hurt as much when, when you're out there <laughs> taking bumps without a crowd, they hurt a lot more when your body speed yeah. up. Well, we're going to take a break here now, and we're going to have a chat with Private Party and about their lessons uh, with you on the road and getting to work with you. And again, I, I do preface this. Uh, we, we were using two microphones for four people, so I do apologize. We're going to do our best to get the audio the way that we want things. But this is a great chat, and we're really excited for you to hear it. So without further ado, let's welcome in Private Party. So recently I decided to sort of change up my wardrobe. If you've seen me at wrestling shows, and this is very much a shoot brother, you know I'm almost always decked out in a full suit. I like to wear them, they look good. But lately I've kind of learned that it's actually okay to dress comfortably wherever 
even if it's out of the house. Sweatpants, joggers, I'm all in. And I know about a company like Stance and its reputation for great socks. But now it's expanding to a full line of hoodies, sweats, and so much more. And they're different in style, not what you see everywhere else, which I really like because they're also incredibly comfortable in the process. Again, we're not just talking socks anymore. Stance is bringing color, comfort, and creativity from toe to head with the launch of its all-new active apparel line. That's right, what started out as a radical reinvention of your sock drawer is now expanding to your entire wardrobe. Check out Stance's super soft line of sweatpants and joggers, shirts, hoodies, hats, and much more. Now they're all available in a full range of fits, prints, fabrics, and fun. Embrace a life of superior comfort and creative expression with everyday active apparel that truly is stitched different. Like I said, these are different. Stitch is collaborating with artists from all around the entertainment and arts industries to come up with unique, extremely comfortable designs. You ain't heard Wu-Tang Clan in a minute, but they're just one of many collaborators working with Stance. Seriously, I'm all about sweatpants now. Super comfortable, cozy, and perfect for this jersey weather that I've chosen to deal with, and they are all in excellent quality. Stance's philosophy is that you should never have to sacrifice your own individual style for the sake of comfort. And now you don't have to. Whether you're relaxing around the house, working out at the gym, or running all over town, Stance now delivers its signature softness and creativity in a full line of active apparel styles from toe to head. Stance has got you covered. Head on over to Stance.com and get 15, that's right, 15% off your first purchase. Just use promo code HARDY at checkout to apply. Enjoy the color and comfort of a life less ordinary with Stance. Stitch different. They're the best four words that any man could hear. I knew you'd come. <laughs> Are you looking to take your gimmick from broken to woken? Well, lucky for you, this episode of The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy is brought to you by Blue Chew. I know a lot of wrestling fans have plenty of bravado when it comes to sharing opinions on Twitter. But what about when it comes to stepping up to the plate in the bedroom? That's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but it comes in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. Now, if you're like me and you're always on the road or you're at work at different hours every day, no problem. You can take them on a moment's notice. And then what do you know? Things are about to get extreme. And the process is incredibly easy. Sign up at bluechew.com and consult with one of their licensed medical providers. Once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And all of those confidence problems will soon become obsolete. The best part is it's all done online. You don't have to go to the doctor. You don't have to wait in line at the pharmacy. And you can spend your free time creating poetry in motion rather than having awkward conversations about your ladder breaking before you can get it set up. Blue Chew tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. House Hardy has grown in size quite a bit over the years. That's because I know the importance 
of taking the twist of fate into your own hands rather than letting yourself become a whisper in the wind. V1 of your sex life may not have been great, but V2 can be. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, Blue Chew can help. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you have our promo code HARDY at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com promo code HARDY to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank you, Blue Chew, for sponsoring our podcast. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Christmas is finally behind us, but are you dreading those credit card bills headed your way? Well, here's a pro tip. Don't get stuck making minimum payments in the new year. Savewithconrad.com can help you get rid of your credit card debt just like that. Oh, and we're going to get you the best deal on a mortgage you've ever had. But how's this for starters? No payments until March. You don't need money out of your pocket or perfect credit. So find out how much money you can save for free right now at Savewithconrad.com. So we have a really cool opportunity now. We're cramped in a small Atlantic City hotel room, but we are joined by one of the precious pieces of the AHFO, private party. Matt, this was your idea. You wanted to get your boys on. For sure. Uh, you have King Isaiah Cassidy. You have King Marquin. And uh, it's been a real pleasure to get to work with these guys and, and get to know them over the last... Uh, about a year and a half now, right? Yeah. We've been yeah. doing this thing a couple of years. I've been at AAW almost, and it's been about a year and a half since we've been working together. So it's been very, very cool. This is a really cool opportunity to get a live interview done because you guys, we've talked about it on this podcast, have such a parallel experience to the Hardy Boys 20 years ago. They were taken under the tutelage of Michael P.S. Hayes, <laughs> and now you're taken under the tutelage of a guy that I'm sure both of you probably grew up watching what has that experience been like so far? Uh, for me, it's been like one of the best, best experience ever, especially from when I met Matt Hardy the first time. You remember back at Warriors? He, oh, called, he, called, me, uh, he called me a punk because like, I never really met anyone up there like in WWE or nothing like that. So Matt did a show at Warriors and I went up to Matt, right? And the uh, first thing I said, I was like, oh, hey, Matt, and just and booked it. And he was like, <laughs> what was that? He was like, what was that? And I was just like, I said, I said, hey, that's all I wanted. And ever since then, now, like, where we at now is just it's incredible. Yeah, with me, I remember we was at that show and um, so little, and Matt was cool enough to take a picture of me. Like, yeah, like, it was a gate, like, separating between us, and yeah. it was so cool oh, to take yeah. a picture of me. It was, the picture was all blurry and stuff. <laughs> a couple years later, we faced him at House of Glory any show, and I always said, like, that was my, that was my moment. That was me making it so... Literally, if anything happened extra after that, like it was just all plus. So all this right here that's happening, like AW and everything else, is just a plus because my goal was to face the Hardys. You know, the fact that I did at such a young age, like all right, I'm done. You know, I, I'm done. My career is good. You know, I did what I got to do, and I'm, I'm satisfied. I could honestly, if I died after that day, my life would have been made. Like I'm, I'm happy, and that's that's real. That's real. How does that make that's you cool. feel to hear that? I mean, it's. Super humbling, and and it's cool, you know. And that was kind of like, I, I I came up the same way, you know. Like, oh, my brother and I want to do like our goal. I was talking about this last night in the interview. 
uh, was to be the tag team champions one time, and we got to do that. And obviously, we exceeded that many times over, and did a whole bunch of different things, and both had successful singles careers as well. So it, it's cool too. I think if you have like small expectations, things you want to do, and then like you kind of achieve that or you accomplish something, but then you keep you know setting new goals for yourself. And, 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 and it's been great. Like, even working with you guys, you can tell you guys are both so humble and just, like, good quality human beings. And that, that's what's most important to me at the end of the day. And even like you were talking about when I take that picture with you, I, I've always tried to be good to people that have been fans because I know without them there wouldn't be any me. Sure. You know, so I'm very appreciative of it. So it, it, it's real cool when you know that some of the stuff you did inspired other people to want to wanna do this and the fact that, you two were two of those guys and that we get to work together is really, really damn cool, man. I, like, it's still mind-blowing to me, like, the fact that, like, I told my friend, like, yo, this felt weird for you. Like, how are you? Everybody's like, how are you? Man, that shit is, like, it's crazy. Like, it's so surreal. I, like, to this day, I still can't believe it because I'm going to watch you guys <laughs> when I was younger and you guys doing all this stuff and, like, now we are hand-in-hand hand, and we had that relationship where, like, we could text you, I could call you. Yeah. And, yeah. like, even, like, even, like, for a favor, like, for example, we did a show, um, like, two months ago, we called Matt and it's like, hey, can you just call you on FaceTime and just say something. <laughs> and we, did, we was able to do that. So the fact that we was able to do that, like, it meant a lot. And just our relationship is like really, really cool. Just have a relationship with him is like so dope. It is cool. I'm sure Matt enjoys getting calls from you more than he does from me because I'm like, my calls are typically Matt. What time could you record at on a Sunday afternoon? Whereas yours, it's like, yo, we're beating someone down in a house of glory ring. You want to cut a promo is big money, Matt, here. Um, I'll tell you what, it's been so much fun seeing the uh, Hardy family office now the Andrade Hardy family office develop over time here how has that experience been like seeing you guys go from this unit that was kind of just put together to something that's a little more formulated and has a little more backing and now we're seeing on AEW TV uh, there, there's a real big story going on here uh, between all of you guys honestly we hate that bitch <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm it's, it's, um, it's fun it's pretty fun because at first, when we first was heard that we um, being put together, everyone, honestly, me and Isaiah was just like, uh, we just really just want Matt. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we just want Matt. And then with Butch and Blake getting to know them as well, it's like, you know what? These guys ain't bad. And then we started thinking more and more like, you know what? These guys can be the bootstrap and we just be the flashy cool guys. And then we had um, Teach 2. Regardless of the situation, <laughs> um, <laughs> I just knew that whatever we just put in, we're gonna make it work. Like I'm yeah. just trying our best to make it work. So, I, I think too, even like when the idea kind of came to be, especially when, you know, I was doing Big Money Matt, and part of my whole gig was to be like a carny piece of shit that takes a percentage of money from the guys. Uh, I, I feel like they're like, okay, well, we should add some more guys to you that you know you could speak for or give help give personality to, kind of like work with on on the, on the job and teach even behind the scenes, whatever. Uh, it's good. It's probably beneficial to those other guys. You know, as you were saying, now it's Private Party. It's Butcher and Blade, uh, TH2, uh, and Jorah. And, you know, Jorah was like, uh, Tony had asked me about working with him because of the whole India market. You know, us having TV in, in India, he wanted to try and have, like, a good Indian force, you know, represented on AEW. But when we first got together, and once I first started, like, taking a Wi-Fi, we did some great BTE skits, oh, yeah. kind of building into it. And then... Once we did that deal where we went to Impact and we showed up at Impact Wrestling and it created a lot of buzz, 
and a lot of hype. And then when you guys finally like pulled the trigger and you turned hill as well, it was really cool. And I think if we were just stuck and focused on us, we could have been real hot right at that point. It kind of watered us down a little bit, adding the other acts. But still, I think when it's all said and done, like the growth of you guys through all this is amazing. And like whenever that opportunity comes around where it is time for you guys to be the tag team champions and be on top and, and run the show, you'll be much more prepared for it than you ever oh, have yeah, been in the past. Yeah. Like, like, um, I'm patient with that. Yeah, like, but you, but you were coming in and helping us, like, you did a lot for us. Like, and I, you know what's crazy, too? Like, now that I think about it, I find it really, really cool and so crazy at the same time that, um, it's like the time's a flat circle. You know, you guys, <laughs> like, like yeah. days and then us with you, it's like, you can't, it can't, it doesn't get better than that. You know what I mean? It doesn't get better than that. So I'm sure you're grateful for like everything. Yeah, Isaiah, when you chat, if you wouldn't mind just coming a little closer to that microphone. We've been trying to tape this interview. We got two mics for four people. So we do apologize. No, there's nothing to be sorry for. Uh, You know, you got the big money here, man. You got to get us hooked up with a little bit of a better setup here. Can you call in some favors or something? (laughs) Sure, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Weefy. Yeah, I'll I'll have my people call your people. Okay. For (laughs) Weefy. For Weefy. No, so when you're talking about uh, the the family office, it's a heel group. When I look at private party, natural baby faces to start. That's how you guys were brought in. You're doing the high-flying moves and all that. Matt mentioned on a previous episode that one of his goals with you guys was bringing out the aggression and and psychologically creating a reason for people to believe that you can beat people up. What have you learned in that sense? To apologize afterwards. (laughs) 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 I've I've taught them how to pound that ass! He did. He did. He is. He is. He's the ass pounder. Sure. Um, I just, what I've learned from that is just make sure, like, like you said before, um, you got to make sure the guy in the front row knows that I want to mess with him. You know, he, if, if I was in a fight with him, he'd probably kick my ass. So that's what I try to uh, display now in my mm-hmm. matches. Like, all right, I can do some flashy stuff. But, like, if you want to go, if you go from yeah. New York, you feel me? So my shit's working. <laughs> you feel me? So that's, that's what I'm trying to display in my matches now. And if I want to put the cool shit, I've always put the cool shit. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah we're, we're all flash and we have substance now. Sure. And I, I think that was one of the huge huge benefits for you guys becoming heels you know just to, to actually work on your aggression and and look like you are a, a dangerous threat to the person sitting in the front row because it, it is like wrestling has changed a lot where now it's a lot more athletic and acrobatic and the size of the guy has gotten a lot smaller but still at the end of the day you need people sitting in that crowd that go like whoa like i know they can do a lot of cool cool shit but like i, I wouldn't want to throw hands with this guy sure. you know because he is he's he's a roughhouser He'd whip my ass, you know, and you guys have really like stepped that up a lot. And, and that's something I'm very proud of. That's something Jeff and I had to do. You know, once we got with Michael Hayes, he really stressed that on us. And, and it really is a very important part of the whole industry. And, and it is a very important part of being looked at as credible and like a legitimate force in pro wrestling. This episode is all about the big money Matt character and the genesis of it. And that comes with the Italian Stallion and George South. Have you guys been given the Iggy on those stories and oh, where yeah, this oh, character yeah. comes yeah. from? Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts about that in comparison to your pro wrestling experience where he had the wee fee taken from him in, in reality versus <laughs> the experience you guys are going through now? So if you just get a wee oh, fee, nice. mine was a large charge. <laughs> a large charge, yes. <laughs> How do you guys feel uh, your, your story compares to that? I just, me personally, I just feel like I'm super blessed, man. Like, 
like everything, um, like everything that's been going on from since day one to when I started wrestling till now is just like I'm super, I'm just super blessed, man. Like I'm, I'm like really, really blessed. And unfortunately, I didn't have to go his route, but. Yeah, let's see. I feel like I, I got spoiled compared to him. Yeah, let's see. <laughs> I, we, we get we get in ring training, out ring training. Wow. Yeah, we get the hang competitive out. benefits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like, oh, that's what we're paying for. I'm pretty sure people would probably pay way more than what we're paying just to see mm. back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, honestly, if it, if you want to charge me, if you want to take my whole check, you might just take my whole check. It's Matt Hardy, right? <laughs> for you, getting to work with these guys, you've mentioned it to me many times, even off air how gratifying it is mm-hmm. and how proud of them uh, that you are seeing their growth. What has it done for you on a fulfillment level to see their growth and potentially one day climb that ladder, that proverbial ladder to becoming tag champs? Uh, I mean, it, it's very, very rewarding, you know, to know that now I'm at that point in my career where it's important that I, I feel like I give back and I help others like people helped me back in the day. And, you know, they're, they're two of the best guys you could ever pick out. So just the fact that I've been able to work with them and they, they've grown so much and, and be able to like share things that people have taught me over the years, it's just been, it's been so gratifying and so rewarding. And, and, and they're just two good guys that deserve it. And, and I will, like whenever their day comes where they're the AAW World Tag Team Champions, I'm gonna be super proud and, and, and I will be like a proud papa. I expect you to be there. Like, yeah. As soon as it comes to the back, I expect you to be there. No, 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 I expect you to be ringside. Yeah, I'll, 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 present, I'll present the titles to you. It'll be parallel to when you guys won the belt for the first time. You'll get out of there. Matt's got his cane that he's going to wallop someone with, and you'll get out of Dodge. And, yeah. <laughs> um, what about each of them makes them special and, and makes them stand out as talent? Well, I, I think the things that, that stand out to me, first and foremost, is they're both super athletic. I mean, when it comes to like doing shooting star presses and like that 450, like the way this guy nails them, it's just crazy. His his accuracy is uncanny. And then two, they they both have a ton of personality, and it's nice to see that be unleashed. Like when Isaiah started hitting up like to watch Zay, and he was pointing to his watches, and he he his personality like really blossomed, and and that stood up, and that that's a strong point that he has. You know, both of their work was really good, and they can do a lot of cool things, and they've both just gotten a lot more fundamentally solid as far as like you know kicking ass in the ring and looking like people who are threats to other wrestlers in pro wrestling. What is something that the public doesn't know about Matt that you guys have learned from your travels with him, uh, whether it be a, a positive or perhaps even a negative? Oh, let me see. Well, that's what I think about, man. Um, I would have to say, oh, you want to go? I'm pretty sure everybody knows this, but Matt is like the ultimate family man. Yeah, like, he, I'm, I'm about to go. Yeah, he's, he's the ultimate family man, like to the point where like, you know, I have a girlfriend now to the point where like, damn, maybe... You know, it's kind of cool to settle down and have a family. Like, like seeing his stories and hearing his stories, how like joyful he gets about his kids and just ready to go home and see his kids and all these activities with his kids. Like, it's truly inspiring. You know, I'm a young dude. I still got some time out there, but it makes me want to like, you know, all right, maybe I, I could see myself having fun just by hearing his stories. So he's definitely like the old Smith family man. I'll tell you, if you ain't know that by now. For, for me, it was the same thing, but it was just a little like, you know, flip side. Like, he's a he's a family man. And, he has to do the family things. And, um, I remember the, I think it was the loop after All Out. Was that the match with Sammy? Uh, maybe so. Where yeah, you took the dive off. Yeah, yeah. Okay. In, 20, in 2020 you're talking yeah, about? Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Uh-huh. So we uh-huh. basically, 
me and Isaiah, we, we see Matt for the first time since then. And then Matt is like, we we like, oh, let's go talk to Matt. On our way to Matt, Nick is going to talk to Matt. So we like, like, all right, cool. This is a lot easier. So, you know, we all get to talk to Matt. So while we all like conversing with Matt, having fun, like he's telling us his, his, um, his health, how he's feeling everything. It's like the, the air in the room gets sucked out. You remember that? How hot? It got, it got a little hot, right? So then now all of a sudden, I start feeling like someone is approaching. And then like more and more, they get closer and closer and closer. And next thing you know, me and Isaiah just stop talking. I'm looking in the corner of my eye. I was like, could somebody say something? Because I'm not talking to him because I'm not feeling the rap. Because I felt the rap already. Mm-hmm. And right here, it's Remy. Oh. <laughs> so, so You knew. Oh, oh, no, <laughs> no, no, the presence. So then I'm just saying, I'm just like, ooh, massive dude with this nigga. So I was like, oh, okay. So then Nick is still talking. But no one is saying nothing. Right? So then now she's starting to make her presence notice. So then like when Nick says something, she, she just goes, Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, 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 she, she was hot. Yo, yo, she was she hot. hot. She was hot. She but right, hot. rightfully so, though. Rightfully so. Sure. I don't know. I'm, sure. I'm, I'm sitting right here, so I'm just saying, I'm just like, Ooh, I got, I got to get out of here now. So, I, 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 I start getting scared. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I thought I did it. Yeah. <laughs> so then all of a sudden she goes, yeah, but you could have called. And the next thing I know, I was like, oh. Let's just try to ease it out. <laughs> I'm like, damn. Oh. So then I was just, I was like, yeah, so Matt, Matt does have a family life and it's, um, it's what people get and yeah. for him to still be mad after having that and all the balance is just like, that's, that's pretty incredible. The look on your face is fantastic right now. <laughs> <laughs> Hi guys, meet my hot-blooded burrito. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what we felt. I was like, <laughs> Uh, Rebby is a badass super mom, and what she is able to put up with uh, is incredible. And I, I've seen personally how much Matt cares about his family and, and what he does for them, and it's 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 pretty inspiring. So I'm with you guys entirely there. So where would you like things to go with the future here? Uh, you guys have been working with Matt for about a year and a half now, and what's the next logical step for you guys? Jack and championships. Yeah. That, I would love if Matt was Matt was there. I, I would say we can do the three bird bowls. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. Have you thought about that at all? Uh, no, I have. I, I remember we've talked about that some in the past. Yeah. Like that that would have been fun to do, especially when, you know, we were kind of just doing the Hardy party and it was just us as far as the Hardy family office initially. Uh as far as being like a, a unit where any three of the competitors could wrestle in the match. That that would be very cool and very fun. But I feel like that is uh, naturally the next step now is, you know, to continue to work with these guys and continue to elevate them and, you know, one day become the AEW Tag Team Champions and really, like, make their mark on pro wrestling in the current scene. Would you like to wrestle them on AEW TV? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think down the road that's something that would happen at some point, yeah. How much would that mean to you guys? Uh, we wrestled him once. Uh, the last time AEW, he, he stepped a shot at me. Oh, my God. <laughs> he, he gave me a crazy clothes. I'm like, damn, oh, I yeah, thought it was cool. Yeah, <laughs> that shit hurt. Oh, yeah, he, he complained. He's he like, he's 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 like, yeah. And then after the match, you're like, hey, what you throwing? And you'd be like, oh, you well, could have did this and that. I'm like, all right, I'll do it for next time. So just to be in the ring, I know I'm going to learn a lot. So, of course, I would have to definitely love to be in there with you again. Yeah. 
That's awesome. Yeah. As long as we make up right after, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. Friendly, like, friendly, friendly competition. Yeah. Bring, bring some uh, forks, knives, and spoons to the fight. And, uh, Maybe so, yeah. And then the Michael Hayes way. Uh, it's so great to see. Uh, wait, the, wait, wait, wait. I have a question. Yeah. Is, if we face Matt, who be his partner? That's a great question. Blade? Uh, maybe you probably in That would be like a yeah. you know let's let's put them to the test kind of match you know. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's probably what it'll be. You guys will get real white hot again. You guys will break off, become big baby faces, and, 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 and fight, fight the evil team of Matt Hardy and Andrade. <laughs> What's it been like working with Andrade? Cool. Yeah. He's a cool guy. He's uh, a hell of an athlete. Oh yeah. He's got a good suit game. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He, he's a, he's a very uh, a very slick dresser. Yeah, smooth, smooth, Tranquilo. Yeah, claro que sí. Matt, do you have any questions for them? I mean, you've kind of taken on that mentor mentee balance with these two, and uh, you know them better than anybody. Yeah, I, I mean, almost the one question I would ask is like, is this the whole AEW experience how you would have imagined? pro wrestling is you know if you have made it which obviously you guys have you know is is this kind of how you would see it is this how you absolutely, envisioned it absolutely not yeah because i was gonna say i i hear like horror stories about it and it's just like for me i just been having fun yeah uh, me like like i said before i'm just living the life like, yeah like all this is just extra like i said before i'm facing them in the show that was like my thing, like that was the goal. Everything else was just gonna be extra. So when I got signed, it was extra. Everything I, uh, everything I did in AEW is extra. This right here is extra. So like, like, I'm just living the life, man. Like that's the best I can say. I'm just living the life, for sure. I do, I do remember that whenever we worked these guys at uh, House of Glory, how uh, you know. Obviously, they're giving a private party, and then they were doing the dance thing when we had that dance off oh, at the beginning. Yeah. And I was doing Broken Matt, which was like definitely a different, weird yes. character. <laughs> and then uh, Jeff is like a, a break it down dancer anyway. You know, Jeff just got just got that blood. You know, so I remember <laughs> I remember we were talking about these guys all did it, and Jeff did a deal where he broke it down, danced, and I ended up grabbing the referee yeah, and dancing with him. Yeah. You know, I want to do something different and in Broken Mad character, whatever. But I remember thinking of you guys then. I was like, well, that's cool that they are actually like doing these dance contests or trying things. You know, as far as like entertainment or ways to entertain the crowd. You know, to to be more than just guys who get in the ring and do high spots or you know flip out. You know, so that I thought that was cool, right? initially right from when i first met you guys how you guys were working on character stuff at that time and i think the character growth you guys have done i mean you've grown so much and you know when you start hitting like the two watch day and everything else and even like when you had that match with sammy and the way you you know put uh his girl's profile pictures your picture i mean that that was great it was amazing it it was good stuff you know i mean because that, that really is so important in pro wrestling and and i can tell you guys have have really picked up on that and, and does, does that so make much. it more fun for you guys when you pick up on those little idiosyncrasies like like making the profile pictures stuff like that yeah, I'm, a, I'm a big troll so yeah <laughs> it's your skin and um i just thought it was funny as hell like, yeah. i'm just gonna get the craziest picture of take on tv i'm gonna put that in my profile picture and it got people talking that's oh, all yeah. that matters you got people uh-huh. talking you know so i already i already exceeded the job you know what i mean so um and I just went overboard. I could have went way overboard too. But I was like, you know what, let me chill out. But I was just fine. I say the match with us, uh, back at heart. That's mm-hmm. that's what actually changed us even more because yeah. we, I was wearing tights and he was wearing these little like shorts and we was trying to look like wrestlers. You're trying to think what uh, what should a pro wrestler look like? Yeah. And this is yeah. what we, we think were, they we should were, be. We would call a private party 
But we were just still had them. Yeah, I, we didn't. I, 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 yeah, we called Private Party. We didn't know. We didn't look. Yeah. yeah. Like, like anything like that until the match after that. Then that's when we just like, like man, was I nervous that match? Who was I nervous? I remember. Oh. So here's the thing. Here's a uh, oh, my inside. <laughs> so we're, we're doing a match. We got everything planned. And like, I remember calling Quinn. Like, I got like, we're about to go out to Quinn. I'm so nervous. Like, I'm really nervous. Like, this is the guys. Like, you feel me? These are the Hardy Boys. He's about to face the Hardy Boys. I'm so nervous. And he's like, don't be. You know all they moves. And like, right he said that, I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. That's true. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> You're right. That's what kept me. Because I was like, if I ever get lost, I know something to just go straight to. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Hold I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> what's, what's your guys' respective favorite Hardy Boys matches or moments? Oh God. God! Come on, you want to be you want to be here all day. I was telling him earlier, so I was like, I think we only got like an hour for this. Um, <laughs> well, you go first. It was definitely the uh, the tag team ladder match. The No Mercy that's, ladder match. That's, that's that's what started it for me. Sure. What about that? It was pretty much that match was the one that changed changed my whole perspective on wrestling because that's when I was looking at the big guys like Sting. I mean, Sting not that big, but uh, Taker, Kane, Kevin Nash, Tess. Those 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 are like those are like the guys that I used to like. When I when I get older, I'll be I'll be one of those guys. Then when I seen this ladder match, I was just like, I don't know. I think I want to do that. So that was pretty much one of the the matches that made me change. Um, the Royal Rumble table match, the TLC mm-hmm. matches. Um, what about you, Isaiah? Anything stand out? Um. Well, I'm, I'm a, I was kind of like a late bloomer. I remember I was in my uncle and um. Our first, when I, when I first saw it was Jeff and TNA. I was like, wow. Yeah, yeah. TNA Mark? I was TNA Mark. It was Jeff versus Abyss. And like, Jeff did, like, I think he did like something off the steel cage. Like, like was it a, I think it was Raven actually. Where he did like a, uh, oh, it's on cage, change that leg drop with like tables. Four, like, four, seeing four, that as a kid, was like, what the hell? <laughs> so then like, it's like a compilation of his matches. Mm. And then like, he was just doing crazy stuff. And then, you know, I'm into, I'm a kid, so I want to explore more. So then I went back and typed in Jeff Hardy and seen as a brother and then the Hardy boys and then they're doing the tag team matches and the ladders and the tables and the spots. As far as moments, I would probably have to say like TLC, like that one spot that you did where you did the leg drop, he missed, Jeff Hardy did, oh, yeah. he missed, and the swan times, and the leg drop, the splash and leg drop. Oh, man. Oh, I would say there was, oh, was a moment I wanted to uh, recreate too. When you was getting ready for Rey Mysterio. And Shannon was helping you drop the weight. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to do something like that where you have a bat, a match. And we, we're trying to get you. <laughs> and I've got the sweatsuit on. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. <laughs> What's your favorite private party match or moment? My favorite private party moment by far is when uh, we had that match with, uh, was it Matt Sidell in Top Flight when yes. you guys turned? Mm. Uh, just the, when you did the chair and... As you jammed him with the chair and you backed down and you just like looked at your face like, yeah, yeah, we did it. We did it. And then his face was confusion at first. And then his expression, like he had this super devious smile. And then he went into this perfect shooting star press, right? Uh, that, that's my favorite moment. Just and, and once again, it's not even like, you know, high spots or crazy yeah, moves. It's just it, like the, the, the way you guys played that was like perfect. And it was so good at that time. That's, that's another thing I would say we, we're learning too. It's just like, like we, were, we were move guys. But now we realize that it's what you do between the moves. Yeah. Like, man, I've got, I kid you not, I would like, if you asked me this, like, maybe five years ago, four, three years ago, I would never pitch myself watching, like, old school wrestling. Oh, me neither. 
Not I'm not out here going back to YouTube not like that Rock and Roll Express, <laughs> Midnight Express. Like me three years ago, hell, you gonna catch me doing that. But like, that's how you know we evolved, you know. So the fact that we're going back and watching those good wrestling says a lot. I, but honestly, now that I think about it, my favorite moment is really recent when you guys came back to the WWE. Oh yeah, I won the titles. Like yo. I was at the crib watching that oh, song. Yeah. I'm like crazy. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. oh, I, mean, I, mean, I, mean, <laughs> I was going yeah, crazy, man. Kofi Kingston doing the yeah. doing. I, I mean, I almost, I almost cried, bro. I almost cried. I was like, I'm like, they did that match with the Young Bucks the night before. I, mm-hmm. and I like, think it was, yeah, it was the night before. Then he did it. When that music dropped, I went crazy. That, I think that's my favorite moment because yeah. that was like a it, genuine. That was a genuine reaction. Like, I'm so happy right now. No, I got it. And you guys look so happy. Well, it was. It, it, it's crazy. And even I kind of get chills saying that. Yeah. Because it did, it did. It made a lot of people happy. And it was a really successful return. And I remember how my wife was just said, like, oh, my God. Even her, too. She said, I could just tell you guys were so happy. And I'm For so sure. proud of you in For that sure. moment. And just, like, she was in that, you know, as we're rushing, like, running up these stairs. You know, and she's carrying a baby. And she's super pregnant, too, you know. <laughs> uh, it, it, it was a, a, a true genuine moment of just like success and it, it was almost one of those things like in some ways like a storybook yeah. ending mm-hmm. or a new chapter you know where we finally came back in WWE as like this great moment whatever you know and then we went to finish the same run but it kind of like made up for any of the mistakes we've made in the past there yeah. you know yeah. I feel like it, it was a very successful happy moment the ovation you guys had it made it even more better I, I was there in person for that and you know I grew up like you like just loving the Hardy Boys. The Hardy Boys were my team. And the enormity of the moment hit me when you especially were walking down the ramp. And that was a gigantic oh, ramp. That was that. a 50-yard ramp. Yeah. And I can see you're like rushing to the ring, <laughs> but you're also trying to soak in the moment too. Yeah. You're doing the deletes, yeah. your smile. I mean, you got a smile that yeah, is ear to ear. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. And yes, half of that's your character, but the other half of it, I'm like, man, this guy is soaking in this incredible moment. It, it really, it still seems surreal. It almost like is dreamlike, like it's blurry around the edges. Mm-hmm. Because like too, you know, usually like today when we're at TV, I mean, you're in the venue, you know what it looks like. You kind of know what you're walking out when you go through the curtain, you know. But like we hadn't, yeah, you didn't been do a out, or you know, so, like that. No, yeah, yeah we literally just got to the building and like rushed up there and then out. And I was like, holy shit, you know, like <laughs> this ramp is huge. You know, and it, it it was amazing, and and it was so rewarding for me. Like you know, all the people that were there was delete, delete, delete. Oh, yeah. You know, this is just some crazy stuff that was so polarizing when I first started, and it just got over so huge like that. You know, it's a, that that was super rewarding as well. Yeah. But that that was a great moment. It's, it's one of the top moments of my career. And we're going to sure. talk about it on the extreme life of Matt Hardy here coming uh-huh. up in April, and I can't wait to dive into that. Look at that. Yeah, I'll be watching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mark, you, Mark, you said you had another moment come to mind. Oh, um, me and Matt. This this. This one's busy for me. Uh, we did the, uh, I don't know if we're going to call it the gin effect. It was like, I moved the gin and juice oh, yeah. to the side effect. That was sweet. I told, That's just I like... told, yeah, I told Mallory about this move. I had a, it was like early last year. And I think it took him all the way up until the end of the year to finally like, okay, we're going to do it. <laughs> so, that, so that happened like for me to wait that whole year and finally hitting it. it will pay off for me. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. It was. It was super smooth. Yeah, that shit was cool. <laughs> Jungle Boy took it like a million bucks, too. We actually did it the first time at Northeast. I yeah. Oh, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. The first time we tried yeah. it, and like, I remember I was watching it. Yeah, and I looked ball. outside the ring I'm at like, him. Damn, that shit looked great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The fact that we were able to do it on TV and look at the way it did, just guess. Okay, uh-huh. I, do, I do have a question for Matt. Matt, if we happen to face off and you're in the middle of the ring, uh-huh. I'm on one buckle, Isaiah's on the next buckle, 
What's your next move? <laughs> if I'm if I'm down there, Lang, yeah, you're, you're, you're right both, in the middle of the two of them. And, and you guys are going to do the event Omega? Yep. Uh, I mean, I, I, I trust you guys enough. I'll just stay there. But oh, it, it, if uh, I, I, that's how that's how committed I am, I have I have a lot of faith in you guys. Meanwhile, before he's like, I'll try to hurt you. I'll try to, but before he's like, you know that stiff clothesline, I was coming back. You know, it was funny you were even saying that when you mentioned the thing about how I was kind of rushing down the uh, the ramp at, at WrestleMania 33 whenever we came back. That's also something else I can tell about you guys that has improved so much. Just like your structure. Like I know there were a couple times when we had a tight amount of time for a TV match or whatever. You know, it was a, we had a certain limit on time with programming. And I know you guys would get in the moment, especially if it was a big reaction or the crowd's going crazy. I was like, come on, get in the ring. You know, we got to go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's been a couple times where you know you, your time management and structure has gotten so much oh, better too sure. you know like if you just have a limited amount of time yeah. and you have to get in the ring and get down to business you know yeah. you gotta gotta yeah. knock it out even you know it'd be great to act like you're on an indie show yeah. and soak yeah, in the yeah, moment yeah, for yeah, 10 yeah. minutes oh, yeah, yeah, sure. you know sure. but you just don't you know you're not uh allowed that type of time on it's, television it's funny presentation is everything right mm-hmm. and and i was talking to your boy gangrel one time and he said to me you need to be able to move to your music when you're going down the ramp. You need to be able to walk to your music when you're going down the ramp. What would it mean for you guys just one time to come out to the Hardy Boys theme, that iconic well, Hardy Boys yo, theme? Yo, 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 I got videos of me to this day doing the Hardy Boys dance. <laughs> I'm so serious. Man, if you go on my YouTube history, I guarantee you see the Hardy Boys theme song. <laughs> like, I, well, it's probably, it's probably, I do it right now. You know, I, I say it right now, you know? Cool. I can go right now. Save it, save it. I'll, I'll save okay. it though, but man, <laughs> I would go crazy, crazy, crazy. I'm going crazy. I'm going. I know. Crazy. I'm running down to the ring, probably running back up. The ring. <laughs> <laughs> do it again. I, honestly, I think I'll do it better. I'm than gonna do it. Oh, I mean, that's on Jeff. Jeff <laughs> Jeff's the juke guy. Oh, the juke. But my, juke my juke is pretty. That's good. gotta make you feel amazing, like just knowing that these guys have so much adulation for you. No, yeah, of course. It it is great. And it's just great to on, on top of that knowing that they're like good quality human beings yeah. too. You know, makes it all the better. Yeah. And it's great that I, I feel like I can kind of contribute to their career as well. So that that is that has been I, I think it's a mutual admiration society on on both ends. And it, and it's really led to, you know, because me being an older competitor, having their youth and enthusiasm helps me out. And also, whenever we have a match, they always kind of like, you know, do the majority of it. You know, protect me, save me as much as possible. And then, like, I feel like I'm able to help them as well in this because I can give them information or maybe come from this approach or, you know, maybe like tweak a perspective they might have on something or, you know, make sure to get their ass in the ring quicker so we get to the match. <laughs> you know, whatever it may be. All for a wee fee, too. All for just a wee fee. Just a wee fee. It's worth it. It's worth it. Uh, gentlemen, we're so grateful that you guys joined us here today. Uh, anything else you guys would like to add here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy? Oh, yeah. Thank you for sure. No, it's just been a blast. There you oh, go. We're we oh, in Apes. <laughs> a Michael Hayes exclusive. Yeah. Private party. Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we hope to chat with you guys again soon here. Sure. You got it, man. So I think one of the most important things that you can possibly do is get a good night's sleep. And science tells us that the best way to achieve and maintain consistent deep sleep is by lowering core body temperature. Temperature-controlled sleep 
Well, that restores testosterone levels, repairs muscles after a hard day's work, and improves cognitive function so you always start your day feeling sharp and alert. So I want to tell you about Chili Sleep. Now, Chili Sleep makes customizable climate-controlled sleep solutions that help you improve your entire well-being. Chili Sleep makes the Uller and Cube sleep systems hydro-powered, temperature-controlled mattress toppers that fit over your existing mattress to provide your ideal sleep temperature. You ever feel uncomfortable at night because it's too cool or too hot? That is no longer a problem. These luxury mattress pads keep your bed at the perfect temperature for deep sleep, whether you sleep hot or you sleep cold. These sleep systems are designed to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and give you the confidence and energy to power through your day no matter what stands in your way. Imagine waking up and not feeling tired. I know that seems like a crazy concept, but chilly sleep can very much help make that happen. For an extra layer of comfort, they also make the Chili Blanket, the only weighted blanket that can also be paired with a control unit for the ultimate sweat-free sleep. Now, if you know me and you've been following me for years, I'm always tweeting about it and putting on social, I do not sleep well. At least, I didn't sleep well until I started using Chili Sleep products. These things help you get comfortable. I'm always tossing and turning not anymore. So head over to chilisleep.com forward slash hardy to learn more and check out a special offer available exclusively for the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy podcast listeners and only for a limited time. That is chilisleep.com forward slash hardy to take advantage of our exclusive discount and wake up refreshed every single day. That's chili, C-H-I-L-I. We've all heard the saying, right? New year, new me. Sometimes you set your resolution high, like maybe buying a new car or a new house. Others, they just want to try to eat healthy. So I'm here to tell you about a great way that you can do that. I'm, of course, talking about Magic Spoon. You see, growing up, cereal was one of the best parts of being a kid, but I knew that I kind of had to give all that up when I realized how much sugar and junk that you really shouldn't be putting into your body. Here's the good news. Magic Spoon changes the game in that regard. Zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. It's only 140 calories per serving as well. And I know we're about all the trends. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and low-carb. Beauty is it also comes in a variety pack. If you want four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. It's all summoning to those great foods of your youth. It tastes exactly like it, but it's super nutritious. All you got to do to get your hands on this stuff, go to magicspoon.com forward slash hardy to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code hardy at checkout. You get to save $5 off of your order. Magic Spoon is so confident in its product that it's all backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com hardy and use the code hardy to save $5 off. And we thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring this episode. Let's take a time out here, and while we normally have a lot of fun on this show, this is a pretty serious topic. 
life insurance, specifically Goliath life insurance. Let me give you a pro tip. We're all going to die. So before you get a visit from the undertaker, think just for a second about what would happen if your family stopped having your income tomorrow with life insurance from goliathlife.com. What we're really talking about is protecting what you've worked so hard to provide for both you and more importantly, your family. You see, life insurance isn't about you. It's about those who matter the most to you. Sure. You do a great job taking care of them now, but who would do that if something awful happened to you? I just lost two friends in the last year and a half, one 42 with two kids, the other 46 who left behind a wife and three kids. Thank God they had insurance. And Hey, I hear you. Nobody wants to think or talk about life insurance, but think about this. You might not get in a car accident, but you have auto insurance. You might not get sick, but you have health insurance. So we'll protect our car and we'll even protect ourselves from like crazy medical bills. But will we protect our family? That's what life insurance means to me. Peace of mind. Goliathlife.com streamlines the life insurance purchase process by allowing you to get quotes from more than 20 carriers all at the same time and at the same place. Goliathlife.com. You'll do a fast and easy application and have multiple quotes within minutes. And oh, by the way, Goliathlife.com has solutions for every budget. And maybe best of all, you pick your terms and payments at Goliathlife.com. Once you pick your price, you can start the online application immediately and check this out. You can even schedule the medical exam to happen in your home. You don't even have to leave the house to do this. And yes, I have done this. I sent someone to my office. It was fast. It was easy. And it was unlike anything I expected. I got to skip the phone calls, the paperwork and the crazy invasive conversations, and even the multiple visits to the doctor's office that we all hate so much. Goliathlife.com makes buying life insurance simple. Goliathlife.com promises no hidden fees, no upsell, no hassle, hell, not even a phone call. Goliathlife.com is life insurance in your hands on your time. Get multiple quick quotes right now from the comfort of your own home and begin your application in a few easy clicks right now at goliathlife.com. Hey, I want to take a moment and remind you that you're listening to this podcast as part of the Podcast Heat Network. Podcast Heat features shows from all around the spectrum, ranging from sports to wrestling to politics to lifestyle and everything in between. And it's the fastest growing podcast network in all the world. So why not join us and get in on some of the fun? You can learn how your business can be part of the extreme life of Matt Hardy by just logging on to podcastheat.com and click on the show. That's podcastheat.com. That was awesome stuff there from Private Party. Uh, I can tell, and watching you throughout that interview, you are so proud of them. And yeah, it's cool for me after we talked about the Michael Hayes stuff. There's such a parallel, Matt. There's such a parallel that must really feel like you're hearkening back to those days. I mean, it, it does. It it feels like I am going back to those days just in a different role. Can you go to Cracker Barrel? Uh, yes, we can definitely go to Cracker Barrel. Yeah, I'm very good with Cracker Barrel. I'll do Cracker Barrel all day long. Doesn't matter if there's not a bar with you and you're not going to pawn some cigarettes off some people. As long as there's forks, knives, and spoons, that's all that matters. Uh, great stuff there. So, uh, you know, bringing it back to where we are right now, Big Money Matt, the longevity of it. Um, there are a lot of people who don't, or at least prior to listening to this, don't necessarily understand big money, Matt. Where do you feel big money, Matt, 
stands with your list of characters and gimmicks that you've done and where does it hold a place in your heart? Uh, Big Money Matt, I think, is my best Hill character. I mean, it's definitely garnered the most heat from being a Hill. You know, Matt Hardy version one was really good as well when I was doing things, but it was also such an entertaining character. It was also very beloved too, and also got me over in many ways. But I, I would definitely say Big Money Matt is always going to rank as my number one Hill persona. To the people who don't necessarily understand it and say, because I mean, look, you're very in tune with the internet. I'm sure you see what people say to those that maybe don't understand it or don't think it's the strongest heel persona. What would you say to them to help them try to understand where you're coming from with this character? I mean, it's, I was about to write a tweet actually about this today. I mean, there's going to be a lot of people online that are going to have opinions that vary from you or just not understand what you're doing because they can't like, you know, see out of your eyes, you know, they can't walk in your shoes and and they don't understand. So I doubt anyone will that doesn't get it. But I mean, the only thing I would say to them is like, it, it, it works from the perspective that like, I am this guy who's been blessed and very fortunate to have great success in pro wrestling. And it's like, I can flaunt that I have made so many millions of dollars in this industry. I can flaunt that I have more money than you do. I can flaunt that I have more power than you do. And I can use that in a way that is advantageous to whatever that character is doing in every scenario. And like for a regular person, if they can realize, if you see someone like that in real life, that is like this mogul or entrepreneur, and they just piss you off because they have so much power and they have so much say in whatever, you know, because they're just not considered to be a normal, regular, everyday person. You know, that's kind of the, that's kind of the desire behind this character. So hopefully if you can look at it from that perspective, like whoever that guy is that you are mad that they're rich and wealthy and they get to do all this cool shit and you can't do it because you feel like you're like a regular Joe. That's the person I am aiming to be as Big Money Matt Hardy. And who knows how much longer we have with Big Money Matt. You've talked about how you want to be a little more authentically yourself here. Yeah. Forward, yeah. So. I mean, there, there is a, uh, an evolution going on as we speak right now. That's why I wanted to talk about big money, Matt, here on the extreme life, Matt Hardy. And as we do every week, we try to get some questions in from the fans. So I got three questions here got that I picked out here. Uh, Tony asks, uh, comprehending query and pertaining to AEW. I'm curious if while under contract, was there ever big EVAH, of mm-hmm. course, a pitch made for big money, Matt to appear, uh, elsewhere. And and in other promotions, and it feels like with what happened with uh, Impact, that that seemed to do that. Did, did that go beyond that as well? Well, as you said, obviously, Big Money Matt did uh, appear in Impact, which was which was very cool. And and I dug the fact that Private Party got to do that. It was a great rub for them being younger guys in the industry. As far as doing other promotions like Big Money Matt walking through Forbidden Doors, Forbidden so doors, to say, yes. uh, I mean, really, Impact was the only place that I think AW Talent actually went to whenever we had that working agreement with them. But no, I mean, I, I think it would always be cool to to do Big Money Matt, especially if you're doing a character on AW Television, and then you show up in NWA. It's very cool. They mentioned NEW New England Wrestling. You you got a chance to do some stuff. In the Big Money Matt character, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I definitely, I did Big Money Matt, and I did uh, stuff with Private Party, yeah. HFO stuff at uh, Northeast Wrestling. That's good stuff. Uh, Andrew asks, what would a Little Money Matt character be like? <laughs> uh, a Little Money Matt character would be the 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 guy uh, busting his ass, uh, sleeping in his car, trying trying to make it. I would say a guy who's just trying, who's hungry, trying to make it in wrestling. He would he would be a, a Little Money Matt. 
And you also said uh, to our friend Chris Van Vliet interview that sometimes one of your kids will come up to you and say they want to be big money Maxwell yeah. or something like that. So maybe there's a little money Maxwell there <laughs> too. Uh, has that been fun seeing them get into the characters? Uh, very much so. It's cool that they have a very uh, solid understanding of it and they get that I am very different characters, like mm-hmm. different versions. And that's it's probably just what they think all pro wrestlers are now. But it's like, I'm a little different, you know, <laughs> multifarious. Uh, and then our last one comes from Dr. Merrick. So I'm just curious, does the spirit of Damascus still dwell within the vessel known as Big Money Matthew Hardy? And do you both at times try and battle over control of said vessel? Uh, of course, Damascus does live inside the vessel of Matt Hardy. And uh, if you have never seen the interview that Big Money Matt and Broken Matt do with Dan Housen, I would recommend watching that because this question is tailor-made for that interview. Some perspective. Yeah. And Dan Housen, you're getting put over here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy week in and week out. Every so. week we put him over. Well, I think we got to get Dan Housen on here at some point. Yeah, to- Dan Housen, he needs to come on here and I need to get a large charge. <laughs> well, that kind of puts a bow tie on our episode here on Big Money, Matt. I'm really glad we got to dive into this character a little more. We're going back to the past next week, Matt. No Way Out 2000, a transformative show in the lore of the Dudleys, Edging Christian, and the Hardy Boys, because it's setting us up on a collision course for our first ever pay-per-view match between the three of you. You guys face Edging Christian, the Hardy or the uh, Dudley Boys rather, win the tag team championship. Any thoughts of heading into that episode? Uh, it's going to be fun. I love looking back at old stuff like that. I love uh, delving into the past and 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 bringing it back to the surface. 2000, a big year for the Hardy Boys. A huge year. For they the Hardy start Boys. to take off and especially financially. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was a great year financially. Big time for that. Uh, Rebby Hardy got put over big by private party there uh, in that interview. <laughs> and we always love putting Rebby over here on Twitch. The House Hardy. Uh, man, you are making headlines with the House Hardy Twitch stream. Everything you say on there gets picked up. Yeah, it's, it's been pretty uh, newsworthy. Uh, once again, twitch.tv slash House Hardy. Check us out. We uh, talk about just everything current, especially like with our family and whatnot. Yeah. And you never know. Rebby also is a queen of Instagram and TikTok. Uh, she's so creative yeah. in the stuff that she gets going. I saw the one of you and Wolfgang doing the broken characters together. Yeah. That was uh super fun stuff. Oh my God. W- Woofy, <laughs> Woofy wanted, he broke out this broken mad outfit and this wig that she'd had an old wig. And he just let me sit down. Can we do a video together? So of course. And she decided to uh, come up with something. She, we did a play on that, uh, 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 the mini me and Dr. Yes, Evil, yes. you know, just the two of us. It was a play yes. on that. And Max who even did the look of the other son, you know, the end like <laughs> it is a uh not a private party, but it's a house party over there. Yes. In Cameron, North Carolina at the Hardy Compound. Well, man, it's always great to record with you in person. I appreciate you uh making all this time here ahead of a busy AW Dynamite. And we appreciate all of you guys listening as well here. <laughs> Thank you. On the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. Make sure you leave that five star review for us wherever you get your podcast. Share five it. Stars. Spread five stars. Spread the good five word. Five stars. That's three times. <laughs> spread the good word of it five times. We got to get Booker T endorsing us, giving us a little five. <laughs> Five star, five star. There might be some good Booker stories we can break out at some point too. So uh, we appreciate you guys and we'll see you next week here on the extreme life of Matt Hardy.